Hello, Nuggeteers, and welcome to uh, another edition of Niner Nuggets, the first edition of the new league year. We are here, we're back, and we're excited to talk about all the crazy action that the 49ers took part with on the first day of free agency. And with me, as always, is my main man, Hench. Hench, have you recovered from uh, the crazy free agency action? Well, Vondi, I uh, I woke up this morning feeling like Christmas morning, and uh, turns out that Trent Balky dropped some some coal in my stocking. So oh. I'm just uh, struggling to get over it. But no, it's uh, it was a fun day, but definitely frustrating at the end. I have to tell you, jumping into things, um, we know we've been away since the Chip Kelly hire, but honestly, I feel like. Aside from the Colin Kaepernick trade rumor, him wanting out, Trenton and Chip wanting him in, there hasn't been that much exciting stuff, and it's sort of been the calm before the storm. And I think it's almost like El Nino here in California. I'm still waiting for the storm. <laughs> yeah, storms st- storms are coming, apparently. Seven uh, storms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess uh, not soon enough for him, but... Um... Yeah, I mean it was a. I mean it was overall it was a very interesting day um, in the league, but you know the 49ers have chosen to to sit it out, and you know over the past few weeks, you know I we we joked earlier today. I don't know what we're, we would ever talk about on a podcast once Kaepernick's gone because the 49ers are all bottled up and not letting anything out of the building anymore, and not giving us podcasters some juicy information to feed off of. So no, it's true and. It's tough to try to make a story out of of nothing, and there are so many podcasts and blogs and uh, Twitter voices out there that are just trying to drum up something, but it's been very quiet ever since the hire of Chip Kelly, and really was hoping today was going to be that next step towards getting better, and uh, obviously it's just the first day. But I know you and I each had sort of a guy that we had identified who who is probably the top one of the top names at at their position heading into today that was available. And um, you know, your guy joined the Raiders, and and my guy joined the Giants. And uh, jumping into that, I really, really thought um, that Olivia Vernon would have been such a great replacement for the hole that was left when. We finally, you know, cut cut bait with with Alden Smith. Um, we had the money, we had the cap space, we had the need, and we're talking about a 25, 26 year old kid who who could have been a, an integral part of this core, and and there just was no action. Yeah, no, and it's frustrating. I mean, you know, Trent Baalke's mo since he took over as general manager has been to kind of slow play free agency and. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense when you don't have a ton of cap room or you only have a couple of spots to fill. I mean, he moved quickly on Antoine Bethea a couple years ago and Torrey Smith last year. Kind of thought that those were maybe primary needs. And, and with a roster that really is full of holes and having a lot of cap space, you know, this this seemed like maybe this would be a little bit different. And it turns out this is just the way he's going to do things. And, um, you know, I, I find that kind of scary because, you know, not necessarily getting into the machinations of what the right thing to do with free agency is. I mean, the Packers have been very successful basically not using free agency at all 
other teams have done a really good job at, at giving some big contracts to some people. But, you know, I, I think it's important for a general manager to be able to adapt to cir- circumstances and situations. And, you know, it's it, the strangest thing to me about all this is, you know, Chip Kelly and Jed York at the, the introductory press conferences, one of the big things that they talked a lot about was all the cap space the 49ers had. I mean, you got $62 million of cap space. You've got more cap space coming if Colin Kaepernick would be traded or released. Um, in addition to a couple other players on the roster they can build even more on. I mean, how is that a selling point to a coach or an owner if you're not going to use it? And maybe it's a long-term thing. Maybe they're going to roll over. Maybe they're going to be Jacksonville next year and have 80 or $90 million of cap space that they're going to use. And, and But they're still going to have to use it and overpay. So, you know, I think, you know, the two guys that you mentioned, you know, Vernon and Assembly, guys that are 26, 27 years old, kind of emerging players. Um, I can certainly understand how, you know, Vernon gets five years $85 million, $52 million guaranteed, the highest guarantee to a defensive end in NFL history. Osemele gets $12 million a year, which is $4 million higher than the highest guard contract in the NFL as it is. I can certainly see looking at that and being like, well, geez, there's no way that you know we would pay that amount of money because it's just too much. But the reality is you got the space, you have needs, a defense, or outside linebacker and, and defensive end, and guard are the two biggest needs on the team you you got young players that can kind of fill around the core i mean i just see it as adding assets to the roster and you know i find it a little frustrating that it doesn't even see it seemed like maybe they were in on assembly a little bit but they were not even really mentioned in anything as it went on and that's that's disappointing to an extent um you know i i would like to let the whole process play out but um, you know, I would have preferred them go after the big time target, at least try to get one of these guys. Um, and, you know, just, just to provide some excitement and add an asset to the roster in a spot where there are, I mean, there, we don't have any assets at guard right now. And we have, you know, one and a half assets at, at defensive end with Aaron Lynch, um, being one. And then, you know, you have Eli Harold, who's did not show much last year. So, Certainly would have fit in nicely. Certainly had the space to do it. Certainly would have excited the fan base. But Trent Baalke's just not going to overpay. And I think that's, uh, I don't know if that's a good decision on his part. I wanted to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, even though I shouldn't have. Um, obviously, we've bashed Jed and Trent enough on this show. But if, if you want to build your own core, then you have to draft well. And we have nothing left from the 2012 draft, which is very, you know, well accounted um, and talked about. But there still aren't a lot of guys that are contributing. And I'm really concerned when you're talking about a roster that I think most pundits and people around the league would probably say is like a bottom three or four roster uh, as far as talent is concerned in the league. Um so you need to add some guys, and I'm not even talking about going out and bringing in like a crazy vet who's in his 30s. When we're talking about guys who are, um, you know, even like Malik Jackson, we're talking about Osimile and uh, Vernon. These guys are 25 and 26. 
that is the core. That is how you can sort of restock the cupboard and you have all that money and these might not be make or break guys who have been Pro Bowl players yet or anything or future Hall of Famers but when in the last few seasons you've watched Alden Smith leave and Patrick Willis and Justin Smith and Upati uh, and now Boone um, uh, Big Baby Anthony Davis was gone for a year uh, we've watched Frank Gore and all these players go you need to somehow bring some talent back into the fold and that just wasn't the case so I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt but uh, the day that you know um, Jed spoke to the media about firing Tom Sula and then when they uh, introduced um, Chip one thing that Trent talked about is like these championship winning teams they uh, build through the draft and they don't use free agency I don't have the numbers right here in front of me but last I checked the team that just won at Levi's Stadium is the Denver Broncos right they're the Super Bowl champions um, yeah I, I believe that's right I, I tried not to watch <laughs> yeah um, I, I just I tuned in for Coldplay uh, just kidding um <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I really believe that we're talking about a team that uh, the quarterback, Peyton Manning, even though he wasn't really – he was a shell of himself, was brought in through free agency. And, and over the course of the last four years was a big part of the reason they made it to two Super Bowls and were a successful team. You have DeMarcus Ware. You had um, Tlaib, Ward, uh, Manuel Sanders, Evan Mathis. um Let's see, who was the tight end? Owen Daniel. Like, and the list goes on and on. They made some big splashes the last few years in free agency and spent a lot of money on these guys. And they were able to also draft well and have a, a Demarius Thomas, a Vaughn Miller, uh, Malik Jackson, um, Treviathan, uh, Marshall. Like, they, they drafted well, and that was a combination. So I don't really buy into the fact that free agency can't be a proponent to having success. Uh, I understand how it's worked for the Dolphins or the Browns or the Jags up till this point, and it hasn't really worked out. But even if we look at a team like the Seahawks, uh, trading for Marshawn Lynch was one of the biggest moves that franchise ever made. Uh, bringing in um, on the def you know Cliff Averill and Bennett, those guys were brought in and signed. Uh, those are moves that had a, a severe, massive impact on that team. And, you know, it's, it's something where I just don't buy in. And so when Trent made those comments, even though Chip and Jed had been talking about all this cap space, I, I was very apprehensive because ultimately Trent's the guy who's going to make that decision. But here we are on day one of free agency. And I'm, I, I'm going to go ahead and say all the best free agents are off the board at this point. Uh, Sean Smith might not have signed yet, but uh, if he's going to want $12 million a year, I can't picture Trent paying a cornerback $12 million a year when we have Brock and all the youngsters on the team. Um, so it, it's frustrating because another aspect of it, and I apologize for ranting, is we have the money, you have a fan base that has put up with a lot of really terrible mismanagement from the top all the way down the last two years 
And yeah, you fired the coach that should have never been a coach in Tom Sula. You fired a coach who should still be around in Harbaugh. And you went and signed someone who's at least a competent head coach, but has damaged goods at this point in Chip Kelly. But we need some players. We had guys retire. We had guys that didn't get re-signed. And it's pretty much there's a hole at every position aside from safety, probably, in, in my estimate. And... To not go out and to still be sitting on this big chunk of change when you're charging premiums on your season tickets and everything at the the venue, you're coming out with really terrible jerseys, um, and you're just pretty much exploiting this loyal fan base, there has to come a point where you have to give back. And firing Tom Sula and hiring Chip Kelly is not giving back. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion. I don't know how you you feel about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I think that's a a very interesting part of all this is just, you know, I mean, they're stubborn, and uh, you know, like I said, I think it takes a little bit of, you know, a large deal for one of these big big time players is is not going to cripple the franchise long term. I mean, there's no. Not to get too depressing, but there's no young players on this roster to sign, um, and you know that's that's a very frustrating thing to say. But what it means is there's there's no way to use this cap space unless it's on a free agent. You know, I mean they they can extend Carlos Hyde in a year, they can extend Aaron Lynch in a year. That's pretty much it at this point. I mean, and those guys at this point are not commanding fifteen million dollar a year contracts, so. One contract to a very good young player is not going to cripple the franchise in the long term by any means. In fact, you know these types of deals might be necessary at some point for them. Um, so that's frustrating. I think that the interesting thing is, and you know, you wait and see. I mean, Michael Bennett came to Seattle on a one-year, six million dollar deal. Averill came to Seattle on a two-year deal. So there are certainly guys that they could be targeting that you know, are not big names now and are not going to get the $80 million contracts that could really help them. So you kind of have to evaluate everything at the term. But I think the interesting point that this kind of brings up is, you know, something that we worried about when Chip Kelly was hired, but I think goes for the whole organizations, not just Chip Kelly. Do players even want to play in San Francisco? Do they want to come to the 49ers? Is it as simple as we just have to pay them as much money as possible to bring them here? Because the reality of it is we have a coach that has some, you know, has the perception of possibly being racially charged in his his, uh, personnel decisions. We have a general manager and an owner who have been about the least player-friendly general manager and owner in the league over the past five years. Um, The California state tax is the highest... uh, highest state tax I believe in in the country and I read something today that said a a 42 million dollar contract in Florida would have to be a 49 million dollar contract in California just because of the state tax issue that doesn't account for the fact of how expensive it is to live in the Bay Area um, and the Bay Area is great I love the Bay Area I know lots of players would love the Bay Area but there's a when you start racking these things up This is a bad football team. It has a coach that players don't like. It has a GM that players don't like. It has an owner that's looked fairly incompetent over the past couple years. This is not a great situation for free agents to come to. So if you're saying the Raiders are going to pay Osemele $12 million a year, how much would the 49ers have to pay him? Would 13 be enough? Would 14 be enough? 
would we have to get into just ridiculous money? And so it almost makes you think, A, these players are not giving any indication that they want to come to San Francisco, regardless of the money involved. Or B, Trent Baalke is deliberately sitting out the big free agency this year because he doesn't want to feed that perception. So that's that's a very concerning thing um, going forward. And I've kind of talked about this year as a a year for Chip Kelly and Trent Baalke to kind of reestablish themselves and say, you know, we're not going to have any issues in the locker room. We're not going to have any issues with the team. We're not going to alienate any players. We're not going to leak things out. Um, but that actually has to happen for us to be sitting here next year as a prime destination for free agents. And unfortunately, we're not that right now. They did not pony up the money to get the guys they wanted to get if they wanted them in the first place. And uh, it's just all, it's all bad. It's not a good situation. I think that's a great point because we know how image conscience, like conscious Jet is. And do you think they want it out there that they have interest and they have the money and the, the position is open to become a starter in their system at these, at these spots and to be turned down? Uh, I mean, that would just be so damaging at this point at this phase of where this spiral has taken them in the last two years so obviously it's it's similarly to why they never quote-unquote offered the job to Adam Gase a few years ago or why they didn't offer the job to Sean Payton this past year or Hugh Jackson because they don't want to be uh, looked at in the public eye as a team that was turned down and that Hugh Jackson chose the Cleveland Browns over the Niners or that Sean Payton chose to stay with the Saints over the Niners. You know, it's it's something that is really damning and I think a very astute point um, by you. And speaking to the money stuff, I mean, we look at Osimile and, and Bruce Irvin who Bruce was a second probably most sought after um, pass rusher after Vernon, um, and he was probably at the top of the list until this whole Vernon situation played out in Miami the last few days. And they chose to come to the Bay Area and to pay that state tax and to pay for play for a team that isn't even like guaranteed to be in Oakland past next year, um, which says a lot because at this point the Raiders are similar to what the Niners were in 2010, 2011, in my opinion. And, and that's when we are able to bring in some meaningful free agents, even though they are bargain bin guys with, you know, Whitner and, and Carlos and everything. But um, you look at these young cores, and I'd rather go to a team that has uh, a quarterback in Carr and uh, Mari Cooper and, and Mack um, I mean, it's it's just crazy to to see how quickly things have have altered and, and changed in the power scope of of the Bay Area. But um, and you know what? And that might be the strat. I mean, and and that's why at the beginning it's like, you know, I can kind of understand some of this if they feel like they're not close to contending because you know the strategy the Raiders used was we're going to accumulate young talent and we're going to surround them with guys that the rest of the league doesn't really want like. Justin Tuck and Charles Woodson and you know veteran guys that can help the younger players develop and all of a sudden you you hit the draft two years in a row you get superstar caliber players Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, Amari Cooper and 
then then you make the big splash then you use all the cap space but boy you got to you have to trust your your front office's ability to make great draft picks and you know we're just going to have to wait on seeing that because the recent track record is not good so it's hard to accept that as the alternative at this point and we and I think most people would say the best pick that Trent Baalke has made, I'm not giving him credit for Bowman, would be Alden Smith. And the Niners got pretty much two seasons out of him in full when it's all said and done. And his off-the-field issues and the coddling and mishandling of his situation by the Niners' front office, uh, mainly Trent Baalke, has really sort of put them in a bad situation that's a major part of everything and so yeah and i oh sorry go ahead no no, go ahead well yeah i I mean i think that and i think a big part of this is trent balky believes that his players that he's drafted the last three years are going to be good players and i can believe that to a certain extent i think there's a few good ones in there there's no great players in there there's no you know aaron lynch carlos hyde are guys that could be really great players but they have not shown me enough to make me think that they're going to be the type of caliber players that you would put veteran free agents around and everything will be cool. Um, you know, I think the more realistic approach that they're taking is we don't have a quarterback right now. We don't have a ton of really great players on the roster right now. Why would we spend a ton of money and maybe maybe saddle ourselves with some... some uh, some free agency problems down the line when we're not ready to contend. And that's, you know, look, that's, that's an understandable, um, an understandable strategy. It sucks because I don't, I don't think the NFL is a league that you really should just tank years by any means. We can, we've seen how quickly things can turn around. Um, and it's not worth it in my mind to try to get top five draft picks three years in a row. But, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. They can't they can't even tank right. Last <laughs> right, year was exactly. the year to tank, you know. <laughs> and, and and then it goes to this. If that's the philosophy, and this is what I find so perplexing, is the Chip Kelly hire just the throwing of a bone to a fed up fan base and season ticket holder fan base? And if so, I see how he can have any positive impact on this team because we're talking about a team that's bringing back one of the the worst offensive linemen of the last few years in Jordan Devy. I don't see any weapons here for Chip to use. And if we're talking about the draft, right, and Trent has already said that the draft looks very strong defensively and sort of weaker offensively, and this is a GM who struggles mightily in drafting offensive players, how is Chip's offense going to even work when – you're pretty much looking at, at this point, offensively, if uh, if Big Baby comes back um, and everyone's healthy, you're going to have an offensive line that's, you know, uh, an older Joe Staley, um, a promising Tiller, a Kilgore, maybe uh, Thomas or Marcus Martin or Pears or Devi, unfortunately, and then Big Baby or Brown – and then you have a Carlos Hyde who's proven to not be able to stay healthy. Um, and then you're going to go with, I doubt, Colin Kaepernick. But, you know, Blaine Gabbert or um, good old Thad Lewis. 
And <laughs> the big signing of the day. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that has recently re-signed Quentin Dial, who's a good a good young player. Um, very happy that I guess the biggest move of the day was re-signing Ian Williams to a nice contract because he he is a great player when healthy and a good locker room guy from all accounts. Um, and Garrett Selleck. Uh, was resigned, so you know they're talking about bringing back Tony Gerard Eddie, and it's just this list of players that you know don't get anybody excited, and they just seem like warm bodies. So back offensively, who who's going to be the playmakers? Who are the guys that are going to be able to execute this dynamic Chip Kelly offense that you're bringing this you know offensive whiz uh, in to coach your team when? no one's going to be able to even execute said offense. I, I just don't see if you're not going to really draft offensive guys and you forego all the good offensive linemen free agents and any of the decent options at wide receiver and tight end, um, what do you do? How how does this team get better? And that running back, the really good running backs of Ivory Forte and, and Lamar Miller are all off the board. Um it's just sort of perplexing. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it is, you know, I think the thought is that, you know, Trembalki is very stubborn and he thinks the guys that he's picked the last three years are going to be great players and uh, the bad coaching held them back last year. And I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. I think that, you know, I think that you could look at Bruce Ellington and uh, DeAndre Smelter, add them to Torrey Smith. I think you could look at Vance McDonald and Garrett Selleck and Blake Bell and Busta Anderson. I think you can look at an offensive line today as, you know, maybe you have Joe Staley, Tiller, Kilgore, maybe Anthony Davis kicks inside at right guard, and then you have Trenton Brown start at right tackle. You know, that's, I can certainly see it. I could see Gabbard, I could see Kaepernick, I could see a rookie in there. And maybe you piece that offense together, but gosh, there are a lot of Trent bulky what ifs in that group, and that's, I think it's not necessarily fair to trust him in this point. I mean, these guys say what you want about Jeep Christ or Greg Roman or the guys that have been in charge of the offense the past couple of years. These guys just haven't shown enough. Even Garrett Se- and Garrett Selleck, you know, everybody talks is. You know, it almost seems like people think he was a revelation last year. I mean, he graded out in the 60s in pro football focus. Now, that was a very good offensive player for the Niners last year. But then the 60s for pro football focus is a below average player at their position. I mean, he would, without question, if he's the number one tight end, he is a below average tight end. Torrey Smith is a uh, a starting tight end. I mean, he's a, I like him as a player, but as a number one true tight end, a below receiver. average. Torrey Smith, number one wide receiver, below average. Bruce Ellington, number two receiver, below average. Everyone on that offensive line except Joe Saley, below average. I mean, this is what the offense looks like based on past performance. Now, is Chip going to come in and make a lot of those guys better? Maybe. Um, Is he going to make all of them better? Probably not. And that's where the problem is. There's not, you know, you have to supplement these guys with players from the outside to bring in the competition to bring in guys and that's you know that's where it gets complicated because maybe guys don't want to come here um you know we, we're just gonna have to wait and see and maybe Trent Balky's got some guys that you know he's gonna bring in and 
you know, maybe they'll maybe he'll hit home runs like he hit with uh, you know, Anquan Bolden and Dante Whitner, Carlos Rogers. I mean, there's been some past success with him trading, finding guys late in the process, but just seem like there's some missed opportunities this year. That's for sure. Definitely, and I'll never give him credit for Bolden. That was a that was a Harbaugh to Harbaugh hookup after the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just frustrating because we can't put a lot of stock in in these guys. And honestly, if we're gonna go into the year with all these Trent Baalke draft picks and they don't produce again another season, it's time to really start looking at him as the problem and I'm going to segue this into something that I had been texting with you about and I guess we should just talk about Colin Kaepernick right um what else what else is there to talk about yeah uh (laughs) so Brock Osweiler is uh goes for the money and was um for lack of a better phrase butthurt over his his benching and treatment and sitting behind Peyton Manning uh, the past few seasons and goes to greener pastures and now you have the defending champs who are without their two starting quarterbacks from over the year uh, over the past season and they need to bring someone in before all this played out Kaepernick was a guy they talked about because I think a lot of people assumed it was the end of Manning's time and if he hadn't retired definitely the end of his time in Denver and Brock was going to be a a free agent. And so I think Kaepernick to Denver makes a lot of sense. People have speculated about it. I'm sure there might actually be resolution to this by the time it gets posted. But um, if you're Denver and you can bring in a Colin Kaepernick and you have sort of a, a quarterback coach in, in Gary Kubiak and John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you're able to almost plug him in on that Broncos team similar to what he had to do when the Niners were good in going to the Super Bowl. You have uh, a dominant defense, even though they've lost um, a couple of big players today. And you still have an offense that has some weapons in Demaryius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, a decent offensive line. And, you know, you don't have to go out and win the day um, if you're calling Kaepernick. So I would love to see him get moved as soon as possible because I just want that to be gone. And I'll explain why in a second, but Hinch, if you want to shed any light on what you think should happen with the Kaepernick situation or what you anticipate to happen. Well, I mean, it is it is a very difficult situation, and there is some risk to no matter what you do. I mean, if they were to release him, he could go to a team you don't want him to go to. If you were to trade him for a seventh-round pick, he may be an MVP candidate um you know it's in my opinion you know the 49ers control the situation they have him I mean if you were to look at what Brock Osweiler got today um you know four years and 72 million dollars if you look at what Sam Bradford got from the Eagles you know Colin Kaepernick has done a lot more than both of those guys had I'm not saying he would get a bigger contract today but I think it's very reasonable to say that his $15 million cap number for 2016 is a good number and would not need any restructuring at all if they were to trade him. So I think he's a very tradable commodity. And I think if you were to look at some, I mean, I've seen so much stuff about, 
you know, oh, maybe they could get a third or a fourth rounder for him. I just think it's ludicrous. I mean, I think it's if you look at what quarterbacks have been traded for the past six or seven years, Jay Cutler going for two first round picks, Alex Smith going, Alex Smith in a situation in which everybody in the entire league knew the 49ers needed to get rid of Alex Smith. They got two second round picks for him. The first second round pick was the, I believe, the first pick in the second round. Mm-hmm. So it's my personal opinion that, and if I was Denver, if I have a Super Bowl caliber defense and I can acquire a quarterback at a reasonable rate that's been to a Super Bowl, that John Elway likes his talent, I would absolutely give up the 31st pick in this in this year's draft. And I think that's all it would take. I think even if Balky is hardlining it right now and saying, we want a first-round pick for him or we want a, a, a second-round pick for him, I really, truly believe, I, I for both sides, the 49ers should absolutely... And, if any team came to the 49ers and gave gave them a second round pick, I would take it based on the risk factor involved. The risks being $11.9 million of Kaepernick's salary becomes guaranteed on April 1st. And the other risk being you end up keeping him on, his, on your roster against his will. He creates problems in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. So I would take a second round pick for him. If I was Denver, I'd give up that 31st pick in the in the draft because you got a very good team as it is and you have no quarterback. Right now they had their options right now are for, based on the names that I heard today, there could be more. Are Colin Kaepernick, Robert Griffin III, Mike Glennon, um Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, Kaepernick is much better than any of those other options. Throw in the fact that he's on a reasonable contract, that if you trade for it, you can get rid of him whenever you want. I think it's a perfect fit. I think the Niners should hold out and make sure that they get at least a second-round pick for him. But I I actually, I'm going to go ahead and predict it. I think they're going to get, if they do not get the 31st pick in this draft, I think they're going to get something that could get to a first-rounder next year. That's my prediction. That's a good prediction. And if that came out to be the case, uh, that would probably be my favorite move that Trimbalki had ever made. Yeah. Um, it's it's tough when you list the guys who are available because, yeah, I understand Cap is coming off those injuries. I don't want Cap anywhere near the 49ers. Yeah. And I'll elaborate on that in a minute. But of the guys listed, he is the best opportunity for that Broncos team to potentially make it back to the Super Bowl next year. Um, Their defense is elite, and they do have offensive weapons, and it just feels too much like the 49ers situation in, in 2012 and 2013, where I really believe Gary Kubiak could work and and. Cap just needs a change of scene. It, it's so obvious and apparent that I think a fresh start is very beneficial to him moving forward. But if you can make a, a system in Denver work for him where it's easy throws like he had at, at his prime, this is a guy who's won three uh, playoff games on the road and came within five yards of winning a Super Bowl in his first year. Um, it's a no-brainer. And what are you going to really do at that 31st? You know, the late first round is is still a crapshoot. I mean, just ask A.J. Jenkins. Um, 
So that that is a move where I, I don't see that happening. I could definitely see a second round pick for him. I don't want to get my hopes up too much. I just want him gone. But um, if that happened, I would be very, very impressed. Because right now, this 49ers team, if we're not signing people in free agency, we need to bring in as many high picks as possible to try to hopefully hit on one or two of them to Oakland Raiders this situation and not Cleveland Brown it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And I've been alluding to why one of the main reasons is I, I don't think he's a, a good player. And I don't want him as a quarterback for this team, even if it meant we would get the first overall pick next year because he's atrocious. But um, I'm tired of distractions. And this is something I texted to you earlier today. And when talking about Trent's failings in the draft and his failings in free agency, Jed York's failings by keeping Trent for too long and hiring Tom Sula and just being sort of a terrible person and owner, if you get rid of Kaepernick, he would sort of mark the end of all the excuses that those two have had over the course of the last few years. And when we look back, the scapegoats and people who've sort of taken the fall, rightfully so or not, you have Jim Harbaugh, you have Jim Tom Sula, you have Alden Smith, Ray McDonald, um, you have Crabtree, Boone, uh, Kaepernick has been the guy that they were scapegoating for a lot of this past season. I, I feel like he's the last guy that they could get rid of that would finally absolve everything as far as an excuse because you can't go and blame it on Chip Kelly, even with his track record. And it makes sense why they would hire someone with his track record to make it an easy fall guy. But after coming off of a one-year lame duck fall guy with Jim Tom Sula, um, I mean, the spotlight will be clearly on the two guys that pushed away and made excuses and blamed all these other guys. And that's what I want the story to be about. When you say everyone talks about Kaepernick, it's all we have to talk about. If you take uh, away the Colin Kaepernick factor, yeah, people can talk about Chip Kelly and whoever we end up drafting. But now it's really going to be on Trent Baalke. These are two coaches he's gone through, and one of them was a really, really good coach, and one should have never been a coach, but that was the, the Jed York effect. Um, and we're talking about players that aren't around because they were mishandled or had red flags coming in that he drafted or signed, um, he being Trent. So by removing these excuses... It just gets rid of a really bad player in Colin Kaepernick, but it also really then puts fully that spotlight, that very hot spotlight, onto these two buffoons who've been running things. And that's when change can truly start to happen because there's not going to be much for them to hide behind, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, this is kind of, uh, you know, something that's going to just keep showing up with them and um you know i think that there's no question that the kaepernick stuff kaepernick stuff has been very awkward the past couple of years and um i, I i'm not going to defend jed york or trent bulky at all I'm, i i actually think that a lot of stuff that's happening right now may lead to trent bulky's departure sooner rather than later i i, I think the stage is certainly set if 
this team does not improve for Tom Gamble to take over and, and uh, Trent Baalke to, to be removed from his role. Um, but, you know, it's just, I certainly understand that. I don't want Colin Kaepernick to be the quarterback next year. Um, you know, I don't know what our options will be. And I think that's part of the reason they want to hold on to him. I certainly think that they don't have to use April 1st as a drop dead deadline, because as you can see, they're going to have plenty of cap space to absorb any guarantee. And I think he's still very tradable after April 1st, because like we've been seeing, his contract is not that unreasonable, even for a guy that's not been very good lately. So um that being said um my big thing with Kaepernick is when you're building a roster you know it's all about assets right I mean hear this probably more in basketball than you hear it in other sports but you have assets and draft picks are assets money is assets and players are assets and based on what other teams have gotten for quarterbacks that I would consider to be in similar circumstances to Colin Kaepernick, I think it is absolutely imperative that they get something reasonable for him. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of the reports about, oh, we want him to stay. Um, you know, we're willing to let this thing ride out. And, you know, even Jason Cole, just a ridiculous report saying that they had no interest in trading him, which is could not be any further from the truth. They're putting out these awkward, incorrect messages that because they do want people to think that they're willing to write it out to the end. And I understand that. And until they draft Jared Goff or Carson Wentz in the first round or until they sign Robert Griffin III as a second quarterback, there is a possibility that Colin Kaepernick will be on the roster next year. And I think for a team that all it takes is one team, all it takes is one Denver to show up, literally not having any reasonable option at quarterback to say we need to give up what it takes to get him. And that's, I think that's, before today, I wasn't sure that they were going to get anything that I thought would be reasonable for him. Now that this is that option is there, I think Balky is very justified in letting this ride out for a little while, um, try to hold Denver's feet against the fire and get the pick that they need. I don't know what he's asking for. For all we know, he could be asking for three first-round picks. I doubt he is. But getting to a point where he can get at least a second-round pick, I think, is imperative because Colin Kaepernick's an asset, and he's an asset that teams are going to value in the marketplace. And to just sit there and say, oh, there's no way they're going to keep him, you know, so we don't have to give up anything for him, that's not the way it's going to work with Trent Baalke. And I, I admire that. I think it's probably the smartest thing he did. And like you said, if they get what he wants for him, it's going to be a huge coup because everybody knows they don't want him around. So, and we don't want him around either. So, um, so I think I'm I I'm willing to let this thing ride out. I certainly hope he's not the quarterback going into training camp. But um, you know, hashtag Thad Lewis. <laughs> right, of course. Um, but I certainly think that if they can get a second or a first round pick for him then it was well worth the wait. So we'll see what happens. So now we've complained about free agency. (laughs) We've complained about the Kaepernick situation and Trent and Jed. And really quickly before I jump into where I wanted to jump in too is when you, when you made the comment about Trent 
Palky probably not being around um, much longer if this doesn't work out. If you feel the need that your job is on the line and you need to win, it didn't show it today when you have cap space and so many holes to fill that you would have gone out and tried to get a couple of decent free agents, top, you know, higher tier, to try to help turn this team around quicker. Taking that approach of doing the usual thing, if he just in the draft does what he normally does and and is trading back and taking you know ACL guys and all that stuff, reclamation projects, that's going to be a true sign to me that his job, as far as he's been told, is very safe for the foreseeable future because there will be no urgency in his actions. Um, and... I think it was evident with taking Armstead last year and and some of the moves he's made where if if he felt like his job was on the line, some of these picks and free agent moves would have been a little different in my opinion, just if he's smart at all. But. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I mean, the Giants GM is under fire and they're the team that's, uh, you know, hi, uh, signing Vernon and signing Janoris Jenkins to very longish contracts. But let's be honest about that. I mean, he's under contract through 2018, but things can change very quickly with Jed York. And Chip Kelly is a very, very influential person. I believe that Jed York really likes Chip Kelly a lot. I think that Tom Gamble has shown to be a very useful asset for Jed York. And I think that, you know, if they go 4-12 and 12 this year, I think... I think it's a possibility that even if he was told that he has job security, that he could still be out. I think it's very strong possibility. So, yeah, well, he, he might he might be doing those things under that impression, but I wouldn't trust Jed York if he told that to me. And I guess hashtag Jim Tom Sula. That'll be something interesting to to monitor uh, as we get into the season. But let's uh, let's parlay and head into. Um, talking about the draft that will be coming up because obviously that's where we're going to be getting our impact players. And, you know, there was the combine um, two weeks ago and there's some, some interesting names. And I mean, we have a, a fairly good pick at seven would have been nice to be in the top four or top five, but there should be a, a solid player. If, if you take the best player available, at seven, and I think there's two guys that you and I have really, in, in our conversations outside of the podcast, honed in on, and and that would be DeForest Buckner and Miles Jack as guys that potentially will be there at seven and would be sort of the best player available, which I know is a big a big proponent of what you you believe when uh, heading into this draft. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that both of those guys would be, you know, I, my personal opinion going back to the asset thing is that, you know, they should be taking the best player available. And that's kind of a cliche thing, but that's just not something that Trent balky has been doing since he took over. He's taken guys that have filled holes. But this year, I think there's enough players out there um, in roles that I think are still useful, safety being really the only position I feel comfortable not taking somebody at that they should just take whoever the best player available is. And I think Buckner and Jack are both guys that are considered slam dunk top 10 picks with very unique traits. You know, 
Jack is extremely appealing because, you know, one thing I think you can notice when you watch Navarro Bowman post-injury is that he just doesn't have the same lateral quickness that he did before, which makes things, I think, a little challenging for him to cover running backs coming out of the backfield, tight ends running down the field. I think he's still a very, very capable and strong straight-ahead player. I think he gets off blocks well. I think he stops the run really well. I think he plays pretty good zone defense. But I think adding Jack as his you know, as the second inside linebacker is a, a great opportunity because he's a really great coverage linebacker and um, he's small for an inside linebacker, but I think he can still handle, a, I think he's just a perfect fit with Bowman. So I think he would be great. I think Buckner is just a, a monster, a really, really super talented three to three, four defensive end. They just sw- signed Quentin Dial to extension, but I think you can bring Buckner in and use him Armstead in dial in some sort of rotation where that all three of them will get on the field quite a bit and all be very useful players. So those are definitely two guys. I'm at the point now where I want them to take a quarterback. So we're going to, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with all that. But, um, you know, I, I, I do like those two guys quite a bit. And, um, I know you like one of the quarterbacks a little bit too. So, yeah, no, I think, um, it'd be interesting with Buckner, by all accounts, this guy is just a freak. And two of the things that were talked a lot about at the Combine from Trent and Chip uh, is just how they're both you know, obsessed with size. And Buckner has that size and that ability. And obviously he's an Oregon guy and was recruited by um, Chip. And it could really set something up cool with uh, reuniting him with Armstead, where those two were really dominant when they were played together. And obviously, as you mentioned, um, right now, our, our defensive line, you know, you have uh, Dial, who was just given a contract extension. You have Ian Williams, who was just given an, a new contract. Um, you invested a, a mid-first-round pick on Eric, Eric Armstead last year. So obviously, to go and, and take Buckner at seven is really investing a lot in, into that D-line but if he is the best player available at that point, if if at that point Jack is off the board and, and if they like either of the quarterbacks and they're off the board, then maybe you go with Buckner. But um, Miles Jack really is intriguing, and, and there's that concern with the injury and, and everything and, and sort of how teams view him at different positions and whatnot. But ever since losing Willis... Um, and Bowman, I mean, is only 28 or 29, but missed a full season and recovered from such a crazy injury. Who knows how much longer he'll really play. Uh, linebacker has proven to be such a critical position on our team and sort of, you know, is is the captain of the defense where I would love to, to bring in a player that is has a skill set that Jack has and to be able to give him a few seasons of getting to play with someone like Bowman um, to be able to sort of take the torch in a few years. But, yeah, obviously, I think everyone who has a heart and is a 49ers fan is attracted to Jarrett Goff. And we're talking about a local kid who grew up as a Niners fan, uh, played his football, you know, across the bay in Berkeley. Um, I think it brings back some of the uh, 2005 memories of the Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers thing. 
and just seems like he has a little bit of that swagger and could come in and, and sort of be that guy that we build around. Um, but there's some questions about the classic uh, classic hand size um, and, and some other things like that. And Wentz has sort of come in, and if, you, if you're more enamored with uh, the physical traits and, and the bigger body and hands and arms and all that stuff like Chip and Trent are, he seems like that prototypical bigger quarterback. Um, I just have the hardest time picturing Trent Baalke making a pick at seven and it being a quarterback. I don't know why. I do know why, but I just I don't see it, you know? Just don't see it. Yeah, I I don't see it either. Um, but we'll have, you know, I... Uh... I'm hopeful that it'll happen. Um, I think that, you know, given what they have done in free agency now, I think it's very reasonable to take a young quarterback. I think, you know, one of the really interesting things that happened today is look at what the quarterbacks are getting paid right now. They're getting a guy with seven career starts in four years just got $72 million with over half of that guaranteed. So the best asset you can truly have in the NFL is a young quarterback that you can control for five years as a first-round pick on very reasonable salaries. And then you have the opportunity to extend him a year before he hits free agency and possibly try to get him at a little bit of a discount. Hopefully he's a great enough player that you're willing to spend 25 or $30 million a year on. But, um, you know, I think that's... If you look at what's happening today, if you could say, you know... We have Jared Goff. We have Carson Wentz. We have these one of these two guys for the next five years. We're going to build around them. I think that's the best thing that you can do for the fan base. Are they going to have the opportunity to take them? I don't know. But I think it would be a really smart decision to do it based on what they did today. And I think it's almost imperative now that they do do that. So No, I agree. We'll I, I, I mean, asking based off of what we've heard and read, and anything footage you've seen or what happened at the combine, who would you take if you had your choice between Wentz and Goff at this point, without having pro days or really getting that hype built up uh, pre-draft? Who who's your guy? Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert on necessarily who I would take Goff though. I think that, you know, I think he can run Chip Kelly's system. I think he comes from a very strange system in college and I think he could pick it up and I think the thing that I really liked about Goff you know from what I've watched and seen he just seems like he has that certain thing I mean this is why I like Teddy Bridgewater a couple years ago and by no means is Teddy Bridgewater a great quarterback but they just seem to hang in there a little bit better than a lot of guys do um and I think that you see him make some throws under pressure you see his, keep his eyes downfield you know, maybe this is just a reaction to Colin Kaepernick, but that's the type of stuff I look at and say, hey, that, that guy knows how to play quarterback. And I don't even watched a lot of Carson Wentz, so I can't say for sure whether he does that stuff or not. But I just think you factor in. If you were to say that those two guys were barely close as prospects, take the local kid, take the hometown guy, take the guy that played tougher competition in college. Um, that's where I would go at this point. Yeah, I think... Uh... It will be interesting to see how how everything shakes out, and I, I know it would go a long way for the fan base because the quarterback really is the face of a franchise, and 
moving on from Colin Kaepernick, which they should and hopefully will. Um, it's t- a tough sell, but I mean, the talk is too that these two guys are the best quarterbacks out of this draft class. But you brought up a good point. Like they're not being talked about like an Andrew Luck was a few years ago, or even like Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were last year. So there is a concern that are you taking like a, a Christian Ponder or um, no offense to Blaine, another Blaine Gabbert or, you know, like a Leinert or something like that. Is is it just because we're so enamored and we understand how important the quarterback position is that these guys are being talked uh, to be first-round guys? And, you know, obviously the needs there for the Browns and for the 49ers and, um, you know, for like the Rams. But if you were just taking the best player available, are these guys even like top end of the first-round talent? Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I mean, I, I've heard enough good things about both of them that, yeah, I think they are. And I think one of them is going to go number two in the draft. So I think a lot of it is just the circumstances this year. A lot of the top teams have quarterbacks already, and, and we know to trade up in the first round takes a lot to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it might just be the fact that, hey, you know, if – San Francisco was picking one and Cleveland was picking two. These guys might be worthy of the first and second overall pick. I agree with you. They don't seem as slam dunk or locked as the other guys. I mean, Luck's a tough guy to compare it to, but Winston, you know, I would say that he was probably generally more, I mean, there were other issues going on with him, but I think him and Mariota were more sought after, but there's still some time and that, that might start happening soon as well. So I think that I've heard mostly positive things about them. I think they've got, reasonably good size i think the hand size is you know i i don't know if that's going to really detract teams from going after them but um i think based on what they did today i think i think they're all in on a qb i really do and i think if they can get a good draft pick for kaepernick maybe they can move up in the draft and maybe they can make sure that they get one of the two guys so that was something um, you hypothesized that if say they did get the 31st or something from the Broncos, you package that with the 7th and you're in business to, to move up, um, which is always difficult for Trent to part with uh, those draft picks. But if it ends up being – I think it's – if I had to put on my Chip Kelly and Trent Balky hat, it's easy to see where they would probably be more enamored with Wentz because of the size stuff. And then you take into account Trent Balky's history with, with North Dakota um, – and him maybe being more partial to, to Wentz. And it's also more of a contrarian pick where I'm sure right. <laughs> they're, they're pretty confident in understanding how badly the fan base would love to have Jared Goff as the new quarterback. Um, and so they would love to do something by throwing a wrench or a Wentz into it, you know. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. It, 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 I feel that... A good situation to be in if you're the 49ers is at seven. If somehow Miles Jacks, Miles Jack, Miles Jack, uh, uh, DeForest Buckner, and Jared Goff, if those three are somehow there and you have your pick, you have to go with one of those three guys. That's what I've sort of narrowed it down to, and unless like a Joey Bosa somehow slips or something, which I highly doubt. But um, and I doubt those three guys will actually be there at seven. But I do not like the idea of Trent potentially trading down because it seems like there is a tier of seven to eight guys and then it drops off a little bit afterwards. 
and we're at the point where we need the best player to come in and and just be the guy that we start to build around um, moving forward. So it'll be interesting. But if we end up with Buckner or Jack or something, I uh, would love to see my homie uh, Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, from Oregon taken maybe in the third or fourth round and, and brought in to, to compete. Um, I, I just like the guy. feel like everyone makes a comparison to Russell Wilson and He's caused us enough pain, so let's try to gamble and maybe get one of our own. You know. Yeah, and I, you know, that's a, um, um, that's certainly a possibility too. And I think a lot of the leaks we've seen have talked about, you know, those guys in the middle between those two, Connor Cook being the name. But you know, the 49ers, it's pretty funny how hard they try to leak stuff out to, to misdirect. Um, I think the fact that they're releasing stuff about Connor Cook makes me think that they really, really hope that Goff or Wentz makes it to seven. So, um, and they're trying to make teams think that they're, they, they don't need to trade up over them. So I, uh, that's my personal opinion. So I think that, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think I truly believe that they want a quarterback now. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We will. It's going to be interesting. This really needs to be, for this to be a quick turnaround, this really does have to be similar to the Raiders draft a few years ago. And if you're able to flip um, Kaepernick and maybe get a, a first or, uh, you know, the last first or another second or something, you need to walk away with with that Khalil Mack and, and David Carr type of um, day because the, you need these foundation building blocks to, to start to have an identity and to rejuvenate the fan base and to have some sort of clear-cut path to what your identity is going to be in the future. So we'll obviously start to break down things more as we get closer to the draft and more of these pro days start to come out and we'll obviously hear about some of the interviews that uh, the Niners will have with inviting people to, to come to Santa Clara and there'll be more leaks and fake reports and everything so it's definitely going to be a lot to talk about and, and hopefully we'll have some other decent new additions uh, to talk about to the team but um, it really is going to be interesting and I think the draft is going to be the one day that tells us the most about what we can expect to see out of the team that is put on the field next year. Yeah. And I, I think it'll be the most important thing for Trent Balky's long-term future with the franchise. So definitely we'll, we'll see how that goes. I feel so depressed after this conversation. <laughs> what else is new? That's, uh, that's why we can't do these all the time. They're like a therapy session. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, do you have any uh, anything else you want to touch on? Or um, I guess I'll ask you this, and then we'll go. After the first day of free agency, who who is the big winner in your eyes? Is it the Giants? Is it the Jags? The Raiders? I, th- I think what the Raiders did was really smart. Um, I think they're the team that comes away really looking the best. Um, I think the Giants reek reek of desperation like i said i think they're they're up against it i think they have a gm who's on on the the firing block next um and those are moves that do not usually work out very well um you know i think the the team actually that has had the best off season so far is the eagles but um 
given that they've been able to shed some bad players, bad contracts, and actually got some assets in return. So and they moved up to the eighth pick. I know it was that's a pretty amazing move, and uh, right behind Chip Kelly now in the first round. So I'm sure they're going to be ready to uh, to pounce, jump ahead if they if they feel like they can steal somebody from them. So and that's proof to me where I don't mind spending and wasting money on these guys in free agency because you're always able to trade them or cut them. Like these aren't long term deals. Like these teams find ways to get out of these contracts for the most part. So. Um, I really like what the Raiders did too. It's crazy to think about that they have Mack and Irvin and also Alden when he comes off of his suspension as their pass rushing core because that's just nasty. And you don't have a quarterback in Denver. Um, You know, the Chargers are always sort of failing and the Chiefs find a way to sort of mess up somehow. So the Raiders are are definitely the real deal and um, it's going to be pretty impressive to see what they did. And the Jaguars made, made some good moves too. I think uh, Chris Ivory will be a good addition to the backfield with uh, Yeldon, and um, we'll see how Malik Jackson does uh, away from Von Miller and Wolf and um, Demarcus Ware. Yeah, no, I mean it's uh, it's uh, it's a team that had some money and spent it, which is which we are not, unfortunately. So definitely. But. We'll see if it was a good move or not, and I, I promise you a couple of those contracts are going to look really stupid in a year. So. Oh, really? I think they'll look really stupid come October or something. Um, but, yeah, uh, we appreciate you guys joining us. Apologies once again that it's been uh, a break in, in the action, but um, we're still here with you and, and going through the uh, ups and, and mainly downs of, of being a, a modern-day 49ers fan. But please feel free to uh, reach out if you have any topics or anything you want us to discuss on the next podcast at NinerNuggets at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at NinerNuggets, Twitter, NinerNuggets, and uh, we just appreciate all the love and support and definitely subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. But um, any last thoughts, Hinch, or you just want to go? You're just done. Yeah, I'm just done, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Well, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in, and we'll definitely be talking with you soon uh, as we lead up to the draft in a few weeks. So um, take care, and we'll see you out on the field.